And now our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. Now we got all the important stuff handled. <laughs> hey, welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Don. I'm Chuck. And here at Imitating Art, we like to watch movies and dissect them to see what kind of life lessons they have to offer. Today we're going to be talking about Minari, the, I want to say, 2020 release. Um, yeah, something like that. And it's a... It might have been 2019. It was it 2019? Was it, it, it was in the Oscars year. in 2020, right? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure, I think it was the same year as uh, uh, Parasite. No, I think it was the year after. Because I thought it? it was in contention for Best Picture the year after. I could be wrong. Hmm. But the, no, you know, the, right. the, la- the last two years are yeah, basically a mishmash of forgotten memories. You know, for, you're right. For some reason, I thought, uh, I thought they were... I don't know. Yeah, but basically, I mean, it, it, it was a, an interesting movie. And it was, it's basically about a Korean-American family who comes from California and moves to Arkansas in search of the American dream in some ways. And they're looking to build a farm kind of, uh, kind of build their dream in a place where they can spread out a little bit and, uh, hopefully make a little bit more money and just kind of raise their family there. And they're kind of coming up against some of the obstacles of learning about how to make a farm when you've never had a farm of your own. (laughs) And then you kind of, uh, you get into the your growing pains of being in a new place and trying to make your dream come true when you you know you're kind of just winging it along the way and uh then the marriage kind of is at odds as well um they're they're both kind of pulling in different directions as far as what they want in life so they're trying to figure that out as well while um the wife's grandmother is there and you know she's kind of working uh, raising the kids while they're at work and teaching them some of the some of the things that uh she learned growing up in in Korea while they're kind of teaching her what it's like to be uh in America now um it's just like a really interesting kind of insular kind of family movie and it was really in- really really interesting uh I did not know what to expect from this yeah me neither uh, it, it's it's the wife's mom right the kid's grandmother yeah, sorry, did I say the wife's yeah. grandmother? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to make sure I, I Kid's didn't grandmother. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be possible that the kids would call their mom's grandmother grandmother, but she would be a yeah. really young grandmother that to, is true. Uh, to that true. mom. <laughs> um, uh, and but you did leave out a little bit of the drama, though. You said, they're trying to build a farm? No. The father is trying to build a farm. Well, and he's yeah. just dragged his family along with him. That's true. Uh, the, the, the wife is <clears throat> being supportive because it's her husband, but she clearly is not into it the entire time. Yeah. She but seemingly... Really like, they're far removed from anything, which is is one thing, but they have a son with a weak heart, and, you know, she's worried about what what will happen if, you know, if something happens and they need, like, an ambulance or whatever, need to get yeah. them to a hospital. They're, like... how. What an hour she said away from the closest like an hour hospital. From the hospital, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's a consideration. And in yeah. fact, like whenever, like Alex and I will talk about where we might like to live someday. One of the things she says is like, you know, she wants to be close to a hospital just in case, uh, which makes sense. Uh, yeah, uh, 
the the thing is they it seemed like they came they came from a place that was obviously less rural in California but they were kind of just existing there i think that's kind of what the thought was like they weren't building anything they weren't saving anything they were just like able to live and get by but they weren't like they didn't have anything that they were building toward like they were working as chicken sexers and that's like that was just getting them money and like that was, they were making making enough money to you know, bring home and pay the rent. But like, I think they just didn't see any real future in that, or at least the, the husband didn't David. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jacob, right. Jacob, David, David, David is the, the son. son. Um, uh, yeah. So my, yeah, like most people, they were just kind of whatever they did in California seemed like they were just living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, yeah. just as you said, existing, not building any wealth, not saving anything. Although I, do you want to, just because you glossed over it, for anyone who doesn't know or who hasn't seen the movie, do you want to explain what a chicken sexer is? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how un, how uncommon that is, but yeah, so when... I didn't when, know it. You didn't know what it was? Okay, so when... I'd never heard of this. In, in On farms and in hatcheries and things, you have to um, figure out if the, the chickens that are being hatched are male or female. Because the they they raise the female chickens and they discard the male chickens like they don't want the male chicks, uh, so they discard them by putting them in a in big trash bags and then dumping them in a grinder. Yeah, that that, that was the same euphemism he used in the movie. Uh, they discard the male chicks, as you see yeah. the black smoke rising from the uh, chim not not really a chimney. I don't know what you call that mm. uh, chimney <laughs> uh, uh, smokestack. Uh, smokestack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is a through line in this movie that you see that, like that burning, the burning male chicks uh, smoke re- repeatedly throughout this movie, and that uh, brings up some some thoughts that I'll get into a little bit later. Okay, um, <laughs> so just to start off, uh, I I I knew this movie was not in English or mostly not in English. I like I knew it was. Uh, I like I didn't know what country from Asia it was from. I I knew it was an Asian movie, uh, so I didn't know it was an American movie just made by uh, like a Korean filmmaker about mm-hmm. Koreans in Korean uh, for the most part. So I was watching the opening credits, not knowing anything really about what the movie was about, and I saw you know all the opening credits uh, were all these people with Korean names, and then I didn't expect the last like cast credit to be and Will Patton. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Will Patton, before I even saw him on screen, I was like, exclamation point, <laughs> Will Patton. Yeah. I was like, what, what is he doing in this movie? Yeah, no, I and was then, surprised as well. Like, I also didn't know it was an American film. I knew it was a Korean film, but I did not know that. I, I knew it was made by a Korean filmmaker. I did not know that, that it was an American movie with Will Patton in it. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's produced by A24, which uh, I think mostly makes like America-based movies. Uh, they, But they, I think they've had some success with movies either made in Asia or about uh, Asian, like, families specifically. Mm-hmm. They did, I think they did, what was that? I didn't see it. The movie a couple of years ago about, I think, The Farewell. I think it was about a funeral or, or like, mm-hmm. a grandmother who was dying or something. I didn't see that uh, one either. But uh, A24, like, they've been rocking it the past, like, five years, six years. A24 is one of those so. one of those studios where when I see that a movie is made by A24 I'm like I'm probably going to like this movie. Yeah, uh it's funny because they're getting to the point where they can make bigger budget movies too, but they started off I think mostly with like low budget horror movies but like 
story and character based horror movies mm-hmm. that that people really liked, and they've been branching out ever since. Yeah, I'm pretty had sure a lot the of du- success. The Duplass brothers, I'm pretty sure, did several movies with them. That and, would make sense. Uh, yeah, which definitely makes sense. Like it, it fits their style. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in, like in throughout that, those credits, I really liked the way I liked I liked the opening credits, just like the driving scene. I just, I, I, just something about the way that that was shot. I just liked that right from the start, from inside the station wagon coming in, coming up onto the farm. Yeah, I, I should have guessed. I mean, this isn't really a nostalgia movie. It's not like narrated by anyone looking back on their life or anything like that. But it 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 has that feel to it. Because it, it takes place in what seems to be the probably the early eighties. Yeah. Uh yeah, they were talking about Reagan. Yeah. Uh they like they don't say the specific year, but it's seemingly very eighties. To the point where like their trailer has so my mom's house has the same thing where but if you look in the background of some of the scenes you see that their trailer has a, like a radio, like a stereo built into the wall. It's just part of the wall. Okay. And my mom's and I think both my mom's house and the house in this movie seem like they were both probably built in the seventies, but it, it just seemed like it's this funny thing. Like my mom has this tape deck that's just part of the wall, and like there are speakers in her house that if you like put a tape in there. Or, or yeah, do you remember that my grandmother's house had that as well? No, was yeah, it was her built, house I mean, built? It, it was like well, a, you know, like one of the one of those where it comes on a trailer and it's like two two pieces and they like put it together. Um, but yeah, it was early or early two thousands, I guess. Um, when that house was built there and yeah, there was a, like a CD player. I think there was an auxiliary cord and radio and there were speakers like throughout the kitchen and the living room. So nice. you could just like play music on there. I used to hook my iPod up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think my mom's has an auxiliary in. Uh, so it's a little bit, it, it's a little, little bit older. nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's got that look to it. Also the house, the trailer they bought in the movie didn't like it looked kind of not i don't want to say bad from outside but it looked not it inviting looked, and then inside it looked pretty nice actually yeah i was gonna say the inside the inside actually looks very nice but yeah the, yeah. the outside is a little bit like uh you probably wouldn't pick it if yeah. you if you had to choose <laughs> uh i've also never seen anyone get into a trailer that didn't have stairs before yeah strange yeah um, it had wheels but no stairs <laughs> and the house has wheels it's not like they're gonna drive it anywhere it had the wheels <laughs> it's true um but that that scene there where they're like discovering this place the like the perspective of the wife versus the kids was really like you know like that informed what it was going to be like for the rest of the movie basically like she was immediately disappointed when she got there and the kids were excited for something new and they were like excited to have land to run around on. And she just, all she saw was like the negatives of what it was. She saw the wheels and, you know, yeah. Um, I think she tried to give it her best, her best go as it went along. But like her initial impression was just like, like, why, why did we do this? And, uh, Jacob, like, almost basically brushed all, off all of her concerns and was like, look at how nice this is. And, you know, he just kept focusing on the positive stuff, really yeah, trying to convince uh, her. And, like, you know, the kids saw a place to run around. Uh, the the wife, who, uh, I looked it up just so that we didn't have to keep calling her the wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Monica. They, um, I didn't even realize Jacob's name until very close to the end of the movie because they, they don't say their names very often. Yeah, they don't call each other by name very like often. Like they talk to David all the time. <laughs> yes, and I can't remember the the sister's name. Is it Grace or something? I think it might be sure. Grace. 
Uh, that would make sense. Anyway, uh, no, it's Anne. Uh, Anne. I was going to say, the the boys have biblical names. Is hmm, I don't know. Is Anne biblical? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Is Monica? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. Um, uh, but speaking of biblical, though, this is the, also the scene where they describe like this whole thing is like the Garden of Eden. Yes. And that was, you know, I think that will inform what they're trying to do also. Like they, there, there is a little bit of a, like a religious overtone to some of this. Yeah. Now that you say that, I hadn't really put together the fact that there were like biblical names that they called it the Garden of Eden because they called it the Garden of Eden before any of the like Christianity of the movie happened. Yeah. So I, I didn't even think of it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know at that point either, but I was like, that seems like, that seems worth noting. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it, and very early on, I was like, this movie just looks like a movie I would want to watch. Like it's got that somewhat bright filter to it, it in the exterior scenes when you can see all the nature and stuff and it looks really mm-hmm. pretty and just the, the scenery and the cinematography and like even like just the musical score was really well done and it just see like you could take any screenshot and i'd probably be like i want to watch that movie yeah yeah the colors were nice and saturated i like the i also like the cinematography and you know it, they were simple choices but they they, they yeah. suited everything very well and, and um, it consistently just the tone, like it just feels like the same movie the entire time, which yeah, is why I think if you just took any screenshot, it's like, yeah, that's Minari. Yeah. And, and the, the score was very subtle as well. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it was, it was, the whole like, movie it was, was subtle. it was, it was, un- yeah, I, I appreciate that the score was understated to the point where like whenever the music did build it, it made an impact. Yeah. Uh, cause like not a bunch of big things happened in the movie. So there weren't a whole lot of reasons for the score to, to build up to yeah. something, but it's one of those movies where it does this good job of like kind of marrying indie and like Hollywood in that nothing really big happens, but it does a good job of giving you the characters and like the emotions and uh, like letting the story unfold in a way that small things feel like big plot points in, yeah. in a bigger story. So, yes. Though I will say when, when the one big event does happen and the, the shed with all of the crops in it burns down, like the colors and the, the sound and just like the emotions really, like really paid off there. Like it really all built up to that. And like, that was like the big emotional payoff in the movie Yeah, for me. Uh, although during that whole sequence, I was like, what are you doing? Like I know it's like your life's work or whatever, but come on, man. Yeah, well, I I was kind of saying I was kind of thinking the same thing with the grandmother, where she was like, I was like, why are you burning the trash? Like you can do anything, you can barely move. Why are you yeah. setting trash on fire? <laughs> come on. No, it it it's funny. Like in the beginning, I felt that there were a couple of like Chekhov's gun type setups that ended up not paying off. So like they kept talking about David's heart and how he something might happen. I was like, okay, something's gonna happen to the kid. Nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, there was very early on, there's like a tornado warning. Well, something and, does happen. He gets better. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but there's like a tornado warning and Jacob oh, yeah. was talking about how like, oh, no, this is like the type of house. Like if there's a tornado, like we have to go if there's a tornado because the tornado is just going to carry this house away. I was like, all right, so something might happen there. I thought those were like setting up. Yeah. They're running something out of water. First, everything I, was flooding. Then they were running out of water. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't think that 
showing them having to burn their trash because there's nowhere to take their trash. I didn't think that was going to be like the Chekhov's gun yeah. that pays off in the end. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they, they buried that one pretty well. Um, I thought it was nice. I wonder if they like intentionally gave us a couple like, like uh, misleading, like potential yeah. things. Yeah. Like obvious that's obviously that's going to happen. Like, I wonder if they just did a few of those just to hide the fire. I think so. But I think, and, and I think it's almost not even like to hide the fire. I think it's more like they're, you know, this is like what their life is. Like we're, they're oh, trying sure. to build a better life. They came here to try to, you know, potentially try to build a better life. And they like everything's always working against them. You're always like spinning a bunch of plates, and like eventually one of them's gonna fall, you know. Mm-hmm. So like any of those things could have come crashing down at any point, but this was just the one that happened, you know. Yeah, but that was not a, a spinning plate, is is what I'm saying. Like they well, gave right. us the spinning yeah, plate. No, it's not. But I'm, yeah, I guess down. that's what it is. Like when you're <laughs> when you are spinning all these other plates, like making sure your kid's heart doesn't explode. And making sure you can get water and plant all the stuff and, you know, find people to buy your crops. You might miss the simple things like don't let your grandmother have a lighter. Right. So <laughs> I, don't I don't know. But like, but and, and part of this thing, part of the, the interesting thing, too, is that Monica didn't want to come to Arkansas. She wanted to go back to California, but what she was doing in California, she wasn't really like, she wasn't good enough in California standards. Like she mm-hmm. wasn't fast enough for the California chicken sexing, but in Arkansas, like she was like perfectly adequate and she could make money and she could keep up with the other people there. And it just happened to be that Jacob was extremely good at it and basically an expert and he was very, very fast. So yeah. he kind of excelled at it. And so he, he was doing well in California. So it's almost like they could do, they could do more, together you know they could do better together when they were in this smaller area right um i she it you know it california was just her comfort zone and she wasn't ready to leave it um especially you know as it seemed like as a minority like in the 80s she didn't want to end up in a place where she didn't know anyone or that she felt like an outsider because, you know, she had a place in California and she, she knew what it was. Right. And so, and she does go through that, uh, throughout the course of the movie. There is like a, a small community of, uh, Asian families like in the nearby town, but, uh, yeah, Korean families, it, yeah. but it's mostly white. Yeah. Um, I, I think they said there were other like, uh, Asian nationalities there as well, but oh, like yeah. the Koreans were, I think they said the Koreans were like starting to move in. I, I can't remember. Hmm. I know that they said they, she said something about starting a Korean church and, and Monica is yes. definitely much more, uh, connected to like her Korean heritage yes. than Jacob. And she's like trying to hold on to that. Like she has, you know, she brings her mother in to live with her, which is much more of like an Asian thing to do. Mm-hmm. And she like wanted to start the Korean church. And the woman that she worked with was like, yeah, the Koreans here are trying to get away from the church. <laughs> like that's yeah. why they're here. <laughs> yeah. That's why they moved from the city. <laughs> yeah. Which is much more like Jacob's style. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess it's a, a bunch of families that did the exact same thing uh, Jacob did. Yeah. So there's some, some growing pains and some adjustment there. Yeah. And, uh, like Jacob uh, wants to do pretty much everything by by himself with like as, as little outside help as he can get, especially yeah. if he has to pay for it. Very uh, self-reliant. Because they, like, they don't have a whole lot of money, so he doesn't want to have to pay for anything if he doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, builds into him having to pay for 
especially water more and, and more. Yeah, the guy uh, the guy warned him in the beginning that was like the last guy who was here tried to you know he wanted to do it without you know paying up front for you know well like drilling a well or whatever, but it ended up costing him more in the end. And he was like, nah, two hundred three hundred dollars can't do it. Which I think that's one thing that definitely more and more is getting lost in translation uh, as time goes on, like the how much like the money was worth in the early 80s because like at this point it's like you wouldn't pay $200 just to get your well and know you have know that you have water available. Yeah. Yeah, that that was probably close to or over a grand. Uh, yeah. I know then. we just talked about it last week what like <laughs> yeah. the equivalent of like $750 was in the 90s or whatever and yes. like <laughs> it's just funny to think about how much how th- things have inflated so quickly. Yeah. Uh I I did want to point out that the that water guy's flyer said, "What are you looking for?" And, <laughs> yeah. and that made me happy. <laughs> I did see that, but I didn't write it down. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> and he used the divining rod, which was uh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't really look deeper into that. I've seen it. I remember like seeing it when I was younger. I haven't seen it really much at all. I, I don't know what kind of like voodoo that's supposed to be, but like, there's no science behind that, right? I don't believe so. Like, why would a stick point at the ground when there's water under there? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Because the guy is pointing the stick at the ground. Well, I guess it's divine intervention. Um, Mm -hmm. But before we moved on, I wanted to say, like, I thought it was a little bit strange that, like, Jacob, I guess Jacob kind of took it it upon himself to just find this property and buy it Mm -hmm. as well. Because, like, it seemed like, first of all, he didn't tell her about all this until they got there. And she did, I guess she didn't ask or push about it like they moved there without knowing anything like i don't know if he like talked it up to her and said it was a very nice property and a really nice house probably and like because she seemed like against everything right from the right from the beginning it surprised Mm -hmm. me a little bit that it got that far before she like was like well why are we even here you know yeah he probably talked her talked it up to her just to get her there and then with the thought process of like well when she's there like what are we going to do? We just have to make the best of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he seems like he would have done that. Uh, Probably. <laughs> uh, because it, because it was his dream and he, he wanted to make it happen. Yeah. And, uh, male chicks are useless. I'm pretty sure they said that, uh, directly. Um, when he was describing them, if I, to go back to that, that point where they're sexing the chickens, the, mm-hmm. they're, they're talking about the male chicks, like they don't lay eggs. So we have no use for them. So we got to toss them. And I think, like, the, the whole idea of, like, the male not being good enough or having to prove that they're good enough to be kept around is is a mm-hmm. theme that comes forward, keeps coming forward as well in the movie. Yeah, he is trying to do something traditionally seen as manly. Yeah. Off topic from there, real quick. He he does mention that they have the best dirt in America, which, before I knew where they were going, I was like, this isn't New Jersey. does arkansas have the best dirt in in america (laughs) i have no idea but it's not the garden state no but it's in the middle i don't know it's in the flyover part of the country i don't know much about the agriculture there yeah i know nothing about arkansas yeah i know i know a little bit about little rock it's it's got some nice bike trails Um, but going back to what you had said before, he, he does, he tells his kid, like he's trying to, he's trying to teach David about everything and he's like, never pay for anything you can get for free. Now let's dig this well. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it works for quite a while, actually. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, they grow they they grow quite a bit before, yeah, like, I guess it yeah. dries up or like the water table recedes or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, it, whatever the reason, it, it does dry up for for some reason, and they can't get any more from it. Yeah. So he needs to turn on the water. Uh, that's uh, Will, Will Patton helping him, by the way. That's yeah, and his, I will uh, say Will Pla- Will Patton plays a Jesus freak really well. Yeah, well, because he's not just a Jesus freak; he's also a. Uh, is he homeless? He's 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 at least destitute. No. Oh. Uh, the the rumor about him is that he has dirt floors. Wow. And he. Uh, he always looks like he needs a bath. I mean, he clearly he he came there basically begging for a job. So yeah, uh, and. He 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 seems to have a couple of uh, like he's really sweet, but he probably needed some sort of professional help with his. I mean, he wasn't really angry or anything, but he did seem like he had some like emotional distress in his past. Yeah, I, ironically, I think he needed the exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> that that could be true. Um, uh, yeah, but he he definitely he he drops in and out of that like weird. Jesus like uh, chanty voice quite quite a bit and you know he he plays it very well. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I haven't seen him in anything in quite a while. Me either. I was like I wonder what the last thing he was in was but I didn't look it up. Yeah. And he, uh, he looks at least 10 years older than I was expecting him to look. Yeah, yeah. Um I wrote that uh that coming from the city to the country and then like having your like your old country stuff like the the deer antler soup like the the old not not the you know not not old is in the u.s country i mean like the old country is in like the old country of korea yes and they have like the deer antler soup that the uh grandmother makes and like the and david is disgusted by and like she opens a chestnut in her own mouth and then like takes it out of her mouth to try to give to him and he's like no no no, no, yeah. we don't do that here we drink mountain yeah. dew <laughs> yeah it, it's the uh t'challa meme we don't do that here. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I like, water. but I kind of like the exchange of like, he like doesn't want any of that stuff. He's like, here, try this Mountain Dew. This is why I don't like the deer antler soup yeah. because we have stuff that tastes like this here. And she's it's like, Ooh, give me some of that mountain water. Yeah. Also, I'm just saying a, a kid with a heart condition probably shouldn't be drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. No. Kids in general probably shouldn't be drinking Mountain Dew. Yeah, I mean, soda's pretty terrible anyway, but yeah. Mountain Dew has more caffeine than most sodas, so yeah. plus and the sugar, which isn't good for I your heart either. Based also, yeah, the sugar, caffeine, and based on the color of it, it definitely has some shit in it that you should yeah. not be feeding your children, but it's clearly very much marketed to children. <laughs> At least it was probably real sugar back then. Yeah, it's not ecto-cooler. Or high fructose be. corn syrup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not in Arkansas. They wouldn't. They wouldn't stand for that. <laughs> Now they will. What else are they um, going to sell their corn corn for? It's true. Eventually, they got to start making it into sugar. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the one thing oh. that frightened me about this movie is David uh, wets the bed, and he has dreams that he's peeing. Uh, I have dreams where I'm peeing too, uh, and one of the scariest things to me is one day I will wake up from one of these dreams, and like every time I feel the bed just to make sure. And I'm always safe. You have some mundane fears, my friend. It, it's, hey, 
I don't want to like I don't want to get on the mattress, you know. If that's your worst fear, man, I didn't say it's guy. my worst fear. <laughs> <laughs> I said it's, I said it's the most frightening thing from the movie. Uh, I see. Your most frightening thing from the movie. Interesting. Uh, I feel the lack of possibility to lead, uh, you know, to achieve the American dream is probably the scariest thing in this movie. <laughs> but um, that's just life. I'm used to that. Well, yeah, I'm used to it too, but it's still the scariest thing. Um, yeah, yeah, but the, the American dream is overrated anyway. I think the the shittiest thing, scary, it is relating to that though, is the way that the mother treats him about it, or like the way that the grandmother treats him more than anything. Like, but the way that they, the way that they handle it, like they basically shame him into saying like, like it's something he can't control, and they shame him about it and tell him like, oh, he's got a broken penis. <laughs> yeah, you're just broken. There's something wrong with you. Just yeah. just tell your dreams that to not pee while you're in your dream. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah, and to go along easy. with what you were saying earlier, not only is there something wrong with you, there's something wrong with the thing that people think makes you a man. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like when he meets the 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 kid at church, and the grandmother's like, "Broken ding dong." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bad ding dong or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's not a penis. It's a ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a funny scene. Um, I like I, that that's I, what he got mad about. Yeah, although it made me want to buy uh, a little Debbie and say the opposite. This isn't a ding dong; it's a penis. It's a Twinkie. Um, uh, the but when they were at, when also when they were at church, like I liked, I kind of like that scene. Like watching the the grandmother kind of falls back onto like uh, Jacob's side of things when like they're you know they're kind of watching the tithing plate come through. And Monica drops in like a hundred dollar bill, and, mm-hmm. which is insane. Like they wouldn't pay two hundred dollars to get a well bill, but she's dropping a hundred in that tithing plate. Um, and like then they pass the plate down, and the grandmother yanks that hundy out of there. <laughs> I'm yep. like, fucking a, yeah, do that. <laughs> I thought she was gonna scoop a couple more out of there. I always yeah. had that same thought when they were passing around the plate in church. I was like. Mm-hmm. Is anybody gonna say anything if I just take a couple bills out of here? <laughs> like, what's this I, money going toward? I don't want to. I don't want to fund the Catholic Church. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happens in a Mr. Bean bit too. I'm mm. like, oh yes, I will. I will have one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, and it definitely happens in that '70s show. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, when they go to that church, I thought it was funny that uh, Monica does speak English, but when the the white families are or like the white women specifically are trying to talk to her and being they're kind of well-meaning, but they're still being demeaning uh, without meaning to. And she just says, yeah. yeah, I don't really speak English and like smiles and turns around and walks away. I appreciate that all the characters in this movie, like nobody was mean or racist. They were just ignorant and they were like, yeah, like those kids, but they were actually, but they were interested. Like they were ignorant, but interested. Like they were like, yeah, I really don't know. Like, this is this is what I've been told about Asian culture. Tell me if it, any of these are Asian words, and then that girl launches into like the most like obviously ignorant like version yeah. of Chinese <laughs> words that she can you know that she can come up with. But you know that's probably in all that was that was what was in all the Dr. Seuss books and cartoons that she'd been watching. Like on you know that that's that's what they portrayed it as. So of course that's what they think. Yeah, and and the the little white boys just like. He's basically like, hey, you look different. Why do you look different? Um, and then Yeah, he's like, why is your face flat? And he was like, it's not. Yeah. And they were like, okay, you want to go play? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were just like, oh, this is no. All right, yeah. well, we have toys. <laughs> uh, and I was like, racist or sweet or both? 
Is it possible to be both when you're an idiot? Well, not an idiot kid, but like a kid brought up with no possible way of knowing how yeah. to handle it or even what to say or even that someone who is Korean exists in the world. Like, right. Yeah, they handled I mean. it just, very sweetly in that. Yeah. Case. It's pure, it's pure ignorance and like just the, the, in the way of like not knowing and not having a way to know or knowing that he even should be trying to know like he just he had no like no reference point for that at all yeah and then he taught him how to how to dip and that's one thing i do appreciate right that is one thing i appreciate about this movie is that like none of it was like based in like hatred at all like it was all like like a small community trying to help each other yeah uh and, and, and i mean like they they don't go to the church in the movie that often like it, yeah. it's clear that they have start going to the church and like build a bit of a community there where like the church bus will come and pick them up, like pick up the yeah. kids and take them to church and which is really cool. And but, they were uh, like, and the, and the pastor had them like stand up the first time they were there as like, they were a new, they were new parishioners, but like, and, and they were awkward standing up, but that was, I think that was awkward for the sake of like having to stand up in front of a bunch of new people. They were clearly welcomed there by the, by the pastor. And I think the, the rest of the people too. Yeah, I'll, I I I kind of thought that was funny too because in a place like that, like in a church like that, the the minister is going to know everyone who goes to that church. So the fact that he says, "Is there anyone new here today?" Um, he he like, knew. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it was I, I just put that minister knew like damn well knew if there was anyone new in the con- congregation that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but but hey, he wasn't. We... But he wasn't like uh, othering them. He wasn't saying you people are new. Oh, I no. can tell right away. He was saying, "Hey, if there's anyone new, stand up." Yeah, and I thought, well, yeah they didn't. They were like, "We don't really want to be put on the spot, but we'll stand up for." And he only had him stand up for like thirty seconds. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. But that's like another way of the, him, like just like sweetly welcoming them, where yeah. it would have been easy for them to have like a like a racist plotline through. Totally, the movie. yeah. I appreciated that they didn't go to like that didn't happen at all in this because that was not the point. Yeah, no, no, they just didn't like well pen. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> the, yeah. The kids in the church. Yeah. That was like that was like the meanest thing in the movie. <laughs> the kids yeah. and the old the old kind of homeless guy. Yeah, especially since you know, like he's he's a little kooky, but he's a sweet dude, and yeah, they just don't know him. It's he's like the, the village kook. It's like the guy in uh, Home Alone with the shovel. Oh, they yeah. don't know him. They they don't know him. They just don't like him. Or the pigeon lady. Sure, same thing. Um. So. The, um, a scene I really liked was when, uh, David was getting in trouble for saying something. I think he said something mean to his grandmother. Um, and he was getting in trouble or no, this is when he made his grandmother drink his pee mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> because he poured out like the, like the mushroom deer antler water or whatever it was mm-hmm. and peed in the thing and then put it back next to her. Because she, she wanted it. the Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know, if he had been drinking Mountain Dew, it was probably 50% Mountain Dew anyway. But yeah, And it was probably the same color, so. After that whole thing. I love that she, like, didn't even really get that mad about it. Like, she was, like, calling him, like, a little scamp or something. Yeah, like, like she told the parents, <laughs> but I like that um, Jacob was punishing him yeah. in a way that his dad probably punished him by, like, making him hold his hands up above his head. He was going to spank him with a, a twig, too. Yeah. Uh, but the the grandma was just like, why are you going to hit the kid? Yeah. yeah. Like she's the one yeah, who she had was to drink telling a piss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I, that's what I was going to, that's what I was getting to the fact that 
he told, uh, you know, he told David, Jacob told David to go get like a twig to swat him with. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel, at first I was like, oh, well, you know, the anticipation of the pain is going to be worse. Like having to go get a, get a switch yourself, bringing it back in to get spanked with basically. Yeah. Like that's part of the, that's part of the torture itself is like knowing you're about to like pick your own, you know, you're going to pick the wrench or the belt. Yeah. You got to like, the, pick the wrench. Cause fuck yeah. Him, that's why. <laughs> and he like, I, I really liked how clever he was that he brought in like this little, like blade of grass basically (laughs) yeah i I feel like you know i feel like it's a trope at this point of like hearing stories of people who had to do that when they were kids uh you know because their parents were from a previous generation and like trying to pick like the smallest one and then but in the real stories usually they get a harder beating for trying to be a smart ass yeah i had to do that when i was a kid and uh yeah my they they end up just using their hand (laughs) yeah um but I like that the the grandmom diffused it. As you said, she was like, ah, little scamp, like ruffled his hair and like walked mm-hmm. away. And uh, to be fair, like Jacob looked like he was a little uncomfortable that he was about to have to like punish his son in this way. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, so, hey, never hate your kids. But I understand Don't wanting to your punish kids. your kids in some way <laughs> for making their grandmother drink their piss. Yeah. You know, you come home from a long day of work, <laughs> have a drink. Beat your kids around, watch TV. Sounds no. fun, right? Don't beat your kids. No. <laughs> um, the more you know. So, <laughs> so I I feel like at the end of it, Jacob was actually like proud of David for using his mind, like the way he taught him. He was like, "Go out there and pick out pick out what I'm going to beat you with." And he's like, "All right, well, I'm going to bring back like a, a tiny little, you know, hanging blade of grass, basically." Yeah. And he was like, "Well done." You used your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's the last note I have story-wise until, uh, like I said, uh, just forget the produce and get away from the fire. Yeah. What? So I do appreciate that. I mentioned it before, but I do appreciate that every time they they go to the factory, you just see, you can't not see the cloud of black smoke that is male chickens being burned coming out of that smokestack. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't, have to, there's not much more to that <laughs> that I have right now, but I, I just wanted to say that I, I appreciate that's how it was shot in a way that you, you're always looking at that after they describe what it is. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, they come back to the, you know, after trying to hawk their, product their crops and they come back and they see the the barn or the the shed on fire and that's a really kind of visceral moment where you know visual wise and also just like the knowing that that's like everything he's worked for yeah even though i don't have it in my notes i do want to say before that there's this whole kind of middle part of like David and his grandmother actually starting to get close and because mm-hmm. they have, you know, she's there to watch the kids essentially. Um, and just like getting to know each other, uh, him not liking her at first, but like her, her winning him over and, and trying to tell him that he's strong. Like she's the first person yeah. to ever tell him that he's a strong boy. Um, because, he's not used to it because uh, he has a weak heart at the same time when she's like, 
oh, go ahead and, and, and run, you know, just because they say you shouldn't, like, you, you should. I'm like, that's yeah. bad advice. It is. Be- because you don't know what's going to happen here. And when he started to speed up a little bit, I was like, I don't want to see this kid have, like, a heart attack or, or something. Yeah. And we've, we've uh, skipped over as well somehow that um, the grandmother had planted, like, the, the wild Minari over by the creek as well, which is like a, an, an edible uh, weed plant uh, from Korea as well. So she planted it down by the creek when they walked down there. And then later, like, we find that it's been thriving yeah. on its own without any tending. Yeah. And then uh, she suffers from a stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, never, like, I wasn't sure at first what had happened. Like, I thought maybe she had passed away in her sleep. Me too. Because um, it seemed like from the moments right before it happened, it seemed like in a movie, traditionally, that's what would happen next. Uh, and I felt like it was almost leading me to believe it before we even saw her in the bed. But no, she, uh, she suffered from a stroke. And man i don't know it's like the kids are alone with her and they don't know what to do so they just go to church and call mom from the church and it it was like this it like it's not their fault at at all for leaving you know their grandmom there in bed but because they had again they're just kids who had no idea what was going on and just doing their best but it's it's uh you know it was a kind of a messy life that they were living out there in the middle of nowhere with no resources yeah. Yeah, it was. And uh and that was that, that was a little bit scary too when you know they woke up and they couldn't like get her to respond and mm-hmm. so that was like definitely uh, spoke to like the quality of relationship that had grown between them. Yeah. And now and after they've grown they're going to lose her. Yeah. Um and I mean especially cuz David's only like five or six maybe in the movie. Yeah. So I like that his first thing is like, he just, and the way the kid plays it is, is great. Cause he just goes to get his big sister who's only probably like 10 or 11. Yeah. If uh, that, yeah. Because she's the older person and she's the only one who he can ask to help with anything, but he doesn't even ask. Like he just, he's got that like stone face and just goes to her doorway and kind of like waves her in. And it's, it, it was a really well done sequence. Yeah. Yeah, and then after after that loss, they deal. I mean, you know, she she lived, but she was never mm-hmm. the same. Yeah, um, and then that led to the, you know, her. She continued to want to like try to stay busy, and and again, that's like an, I think that's another like kind of like Asian characteristic that you know it's always you always have to continue to stay busy into like into your older years, and she continues to try to help around the house, and she tries to, um, you know, help in the yard, and then she ends up. Again, burning the trash for some reason and setting the the barn on fire or the the shed on fire. Even when the mom, like her her daughter, tells her, tells her like you don't have to do anything. Just there's food. Yeah. You don't even have to heat it up. Just just yeah, eat it. Yeah. Like she's basically just, telling her like take it easy <laughs> while while none of us are home. Take a break, dude. <clears throat> she doesn't yeah, but listen. but she still tries to be of service. I mean, she was brought to the house to be like of service to uh, the kids' parents. Yeah. Help her watch the kids. So, and, yeah, I you know. like I get it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it definitely, like, it, it, it leads to some good, good things we can talk about in lessons as well that when, yeah. you know, the, the, the idea of losing things and expectations. Yeah. Um, and I guess probably 
I think the only other major thing to talk about is like when uh, the parents have that kind of like the Jacob finally gets like a, a sale. He basically like there's no paperwork involved, but he basically gets a contract with a, a Korean grocer to start selling his his produce there. When like in Monica basically sees like as soon as that happened, she's like. You could tell she almost kind of wished it failed so that she could talk him into leaving. But now that yeah. now that he's starting to get successful, uh, yeah, or potentially successful, last chance. yeah, that's when she's like, uh, no, like, I, I got to go. Like, I can't stay here. And they have this conversation where they basically, it seems like they're deciding to, without saying it, split up. Even though that doesn't seem to be what happened in the end no. uh, after, after the fire. But... Um, yeah, like, because it's clear to her that the farm is more important to Jacob than the family, his yeah. family. Or, yeah. Where for her, it's the family first, and then whatever you have to do to make the family work. Uh, the, like, they just have those two different... He has the dream, and she has the, like, duty. Uh, yeah, but, and, probably but I, think he, a good I think he sees his dream as a thing that will support the family, and that is fulfilling his duty as well. Yeah, and he also wants to set an example as, like, a successful Korean person to their children. Yeah, uh, or just that, a su- successful person. Like, like you can build something with your own hands. Like, you can you can make, you can build the life that you want. You can, you can do this. You can buy a plot of land and make it into what you have in your, in your, in your mind and support your family with it. Yeah, like, he, he doesn't want them to grow up thinking that they have to become chicken sexers, uh, to, right. to eat. Right. Um. But then after the fire, I, I guess I really didn't quite understand why they ended up staying together after the fire. First of all, he ran directly into the barn to save the produce. Like he was like, stay in the car and then like ran to grab the produce, which again, I get it. It's it's his dream. And it, like basically if he loses the produce, then he loses all of the money and they'll be destitute if they lose everything. But then like it was sweet, but I still didn't quite like after that because it's directly after that conversation and she runs in to help him with the produce and then but for him to let her do that i thought was i didn't like him for that well i think it happens pretty quickly after they come in like that they he realizes like this is you know it's 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 a lost cause we got to get out of here it's but um i don't know it's pretty smoky in there and it's not until he loses her in the smoke that he like starts worrying about what might happen to her in the fire. But I can also say it's not his responsibility to tell her what to do. She chose to run in there. She, she is an autonomous being. No. She doesn't, he, he doesn't have to, you know, I know you're, you're, you're attributing the, the typical male thing. Like you can't let your wife do that to him. Uh, no, it's, it's, it wouldn't be up to her for sure, but he doesn't at all try to stop her. Like, like, well, no, but that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, not have a responsibility to stop her. She's making her own choices just like he is. But when you see someone you love doing something dangerous, one of the first things you generally do is say, hey, you shouldn't do that. Sure. Not necessarily because But he was already also you. in this mind of like, like he, he was also in this panicked state of like, we need to save our livelihood, basically. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I just see, that's, that's how I see it. Like he's, they, they both go in there with that in mind and then they both you know they come out eventually obviously it was a bad idea from the start for both of them to go in there <laughs> mhm and then he is the one who has to get her out of it in the end anyway yeah yeah 
That's what I mean. <laughs> it switches. <laughs> so, all right. Well, why don't we take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the lessons in Minari. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Yay. We are very excited about this. Um, th- I mean, I think this, this movie is, again, understated, like we said, but I think it has a lot of underlying messages built into it. And a lot of, I, I, have, I have a decent amount of things written down. Um, I don't know how much you were able to pull out of it, but. I only had a few things written down. Uh Mostly because, like, it's it's one of those movies where I'm like, do I write that down? Do I not write <laughs> that down? Uh, one of the things yeah. that I wrote down before, and I wasn't I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring this up in the initial um, talk about the movie, but uh, I wrote, is there a difference between faith and hubris? Like, between believing that the outcome that you expect is going to go the way you want it to, or having faith that... God will give you whatever, you know, whatever you pray for and all that kind of stuff. And either way, it either is either going to grow or diminish your belief in that way of thinking. Like if you get what you want, it's going to make you believe that well, the thing that you prayed for or the way that you acted to get there is what you have to keep doing to get there. So if you have like the belief that you can move to Arkansas and build a farm on your own without anybody's help, you know, you can... If you succeed, you'll think that, yeah, I can do anything I want. And if you fail, maybe it will make you think that maybe, maybe make you reconsider your, your hubris or, or your faith, however it goes. But I think like that idea of like blind, blind faith in Jacob's, in Jacob's life is different than like the faith that, that Monica has in like the church and everything like that. So you kind of see both sides, whether it comes to faith and religion and that kind of thing. Monica has like the hope that things will will change. She's probably praying for you know things to change or Jacob to kind of see the error in his decision. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jacob kind of just has this like put your head down and work toward it, and you can make it happen. Yeah, uh, I guess. <clears throat> I guess that at that point, I guess either with faith or hubris. Uh, you, you you really find out more about a person when when they fail, like because then do they double down and like refuse to admit defeat and just keep trying until they have worn themselves to the bone and and die trying, which isn't always a heroic thing, or or do they decide like uh, this was a, a learning uh, moment? Uh, you know, teachable moment and, and try to change and adapt and maybe sacrifice something that they, they thought they wanted because it's not going to bring them the thing they thought it was going to get for them. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think that, I think that is something in both hubris and, and faith. Uh, hubris, usually you think of being that all the time, like someone has hubris and then they try something 
And then, of course, it failed because they were trying to do something they shouldn't have been doing in the first place, but they yeah. convinced themselves they could do it. But uh, I think you could probably learn from hubris as well. Uh, but faith, you it's generally depicted as, oh, have faith and like manifest it and it's going to happen. And then uh, when it doesn't happen, does that mean you're not supposed to get it? Or does that mean you didn't try hard enough? Right. Uh, also, by putting it to an external factor, an, an external party in God or religion, yeah. it says, "Well, I guess God didn't want me to have this, or I wasn't supposed to have this." So, like, do you believe? Do you continue with your beliefs, or do you question your beliefs at that point? Yeah, I don't know. If you believe there's a reason for it, God made me want this just to take mm-hmm. it away from me. Another another lesson I wrote down in that same vein is that whether or not whether you pray for something or believe that God is going to give you something you without hard work, you're still not going to get it. Like you still have to work toward it, whether you believe in prayer or just, you know, or just yourself, like you have to still put in the work and the time to make something happen. Yeah. I I mean, unless you're going to pay people to do it for you, uh, which sure, but I mean, that's something work, sure, work but, by proxy. but you need the resources. Yeah. Like yeah. It, the, the, the work needs to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of whether you're doing it yourself or not. But, uh, it also depends on how you feel about doing the work or paying someone to do, to do the work. Like for some people, it's more satisfying to just pay some, like I have the money, make, make it happen. And for someone like Jacob, it's like, well, I don't have the money, but I still want to make it happen. And putting yeah. in like this kind of work is what I want to do for a fulfilling life. I don't want to look at chicken genitalia for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'd rather create something and put in that work. Yeah, and it's not just the means to an end. It's the means itself is the is like what he wants to pass on. Like you, like the hard work is the important like lesson here. It's not the it's not the end that you're going for. It's that it's all it's all part of it. You have to keep working in the work in a way, will be part of the reward. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's generally part of, like, when it comes to farming stories, uh, that's part, I mean, that was, what What was the uh, Christopher Walken one? Yeah, Zach Braff one. I mean, that that, that existed in, in that movie, too. Of Totally. I'm just, a, I'm just a farmer, and I want to farm because I love to do it, and it makes me a happy person. It's work, but it's what makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of being able to see what you were able to do. I feel like I I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast. I can't remember um, when I was talking about the fact that I like climbing and hiking and doing things that are hard because I, you know, at the end of it, I'm like, I know my body was is able to do that. And I appreciate being able to kind of see and prove that my body is able to like do hard things and I can do it, you know, just through my own will and hard work I can get from here to there on my own with, with no help except for my legs. Yeah. I, I think you did talk about it when uh, we did. Uh, oh, it was free probably solo. At the Honnold the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Free solo. Yep. Um, <clears throat> um yeah. yeah, but, uh, one of the bigger ones I wrote down here is that, um, I see the, the garden he's building is like a metaphor for life in general that you have, plans and expectations and you want those things to come to fruition and you know you're planting seeds that hopefully will grow into what you want but 
you're going to have challenges along the way and things that you don't expect are going to happen. And the garden's not always going to thrive in the way that you expect. And even if it does bear fruit, you might not be able to do with that fruit what you want to do with it. And, you know, you're going to have to figure out things, you know, figure out how to get over each hurdle as they, as they come at you and not take it for granted. And, you know, appreciate the journey and each step of it. Hmm. A farm as a metaphor for life. It's almost like a Garden of Eden. Hmm. I feel like I've heard, I think I've read that in a book somewhere, but I don't, I don't know which one. Uh, yeah, it's probably like a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Spider-Man. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, anyway, yeah, uh, I, I agree with everything you just said. And it's one of those moments where I'm like, I don't think I can add anything to it where I wouldn't just be repeating it back to you in, in <laughs> yeah. other words. Somewhat of a straightforward metaphor in this movie, I think, but it does, yeah. you know... It, it does take some turns, and I think it, I think it's well executed. That had not occurred to me, by the way. Hmm. It should have, but it not, did not. I think just as soon as I heard them say Garden of Eden in the beginning, like I was focusing on the garden as a potential metaphor for, for everything. Yeah, you did. Uh, <clears throat> I did not latch onto it. <clears throat> and so that part of the viewing experience passed <laughs> by me. Um, along the along the similar lines to that thing, I, I also said, be careful what you wish for, because every, you know, you, every new start can mean many different things, and you expect it to be one thing. Might be something else, and you have to kind of explore it before you're, you give it time, because your knee-jerk reaction will be to dislike it, and to say it's not what it used to be, or it's not what I thought it would be, but... If you if you look and you try, you can find the, the the good and the quality in in a new situation. Yeah, I, I guess like the uh, the potentially negative part of a, a new start is, I think, I forget how you phrase it, but it doesn't turn out exactly the way you wanted. And I like, no, I don't want it. And instead of again with the whole hubris and faith thing, faith thing, like trying to either learn from it so you can make what you wanted or you know maybe it's like such a again a trope which it, me using that word is a trope now but <laughs> uh of uh maybe you got what you needed you know uh yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah no you're right <clears throat> sometimes i just say things that are so trite uh, that i'm like why did i say this did i have to say this And the answer is yes, you did. You had to say it to figure out that you didn't have to say it. So huh. There's no way around it. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the the dad says, "Use your mind." Um, to to David, Jacob says, "Use your mind." To, to David, like when he's trying to teach him. But I think that like and and you get to see some examples of that. But I think it's more like just use what you're given. Like use the land if you have the land. Use the land. Build on it. Farm on it if you have the brains use the brains like just use what you have use your skills figure out what you have to offer and use them to your benefit like just just you know take take your innate skills whatever your your nature is and you know put it to use yeah like remember before money when everyone no. just had to do the thing they were good at and then not. traded like basically traded skills. I'll do this if you do that. Yeah, I don't remember either. 
<laughs> it sounds tiring. I think I like money better, unfortunately, but that's just because it's how I, mean, I was raised. You're kind of doing the same thing. You're just there's just the you know a proxy in between. <laughs> yes, but it, it's not a one to one. Anyway, it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. You're getting way less <laughs> at this point, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Our system, you're probably getting less than what you would get with the barter system. Yeah, but like you know, we have like indoor heating. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Otherwise, you just have to live in Florida. <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, want to do that. Not these days. No. But sometimes you have to let go of your pride for practicality. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> That's true. That's another lesson. <laughs> uh, and that could be either. That could be either of them. I could be talking about Jacob or Monica, honestly. Yeah. I think uh, they both have to learn that lesson in different ways. Yeah. Kind of one one thing I forgot to mention in the like the review segment was that I understand both of their viewpoints. Like I understand not wanting to stare at chicken genitalia for the rest of your life. I understand not wanting to like just live in the middle of nowhere because someone else wants you to live there and like live in a house that floods and could be taken away by like, why would you live in a house that can be taken away so easily by a tornado in an area where they have tornadoes? Like I would be mad about that too, but yeah, I understand both. So yeah, they both, she like, she's giving up more at first, but she is the one who gets to the point where it's like, it's this or that. And then gets upset when he makes the choice that she didn't want him to make. So yeah, I think you're right. They do have to both, uh, come to terms with the fact that they they both want the same thing which is to be together with the family but they want it in different ways and i guess we never actually get to truly see them find that middle ground because compromise yeah the movie ends like 10 minutes later yeah Uh, but I, i guess uh it ends on a note of hope at least so they're probably at least trying to work towards it and the I fact that they're the most, all still together at the end is... Yeah. I think one of the most interesting things about the way this movie depicts their marriage is... I think it depicts it in a very realistic way in that they both have the best intentions. And, like, and I, I mean, I, I think you saw, you saw Jacob a little differently than I did. But to me, it felt like Jacob was doing what he thought was best for his family, not only in teaching his kids to be self-sufficient and self-reliant, but also what he thought would eventually pay off to the fact that they could have their own farm and, you know, make money from that. And then he will be able to support his whole family. Um, It's just that he wasn't able to do it. You know, he, he, he couldn't, they couldn't have it both ways in that, they couldn't live in California and do this because they wouldn't be able to afford the land and make enough money and all that. But then, you know, it, they they couldn't really reconcile those differences Whereas where Monica did not feel comfortable in that community, either that she didn't have the family or like the friends that she had and the community and the, and the church and everything. And also she was afraid for her son who was too far from a, from a hospital. She just didn't ever really get comfortable in that new setting. And I think they both had the best of intentions for their family. They just couldn't figure out how to make them coexist. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Well, I, I guess again, the movie ends. So we don't know if they do find a way to, to make it 
happen. Um, I guess we're just left to uh, decide for ourselves. Yeah. If maybe the movie just like ended before she left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we don't know. Um, Another thing I wrote down, you might know where this quote is from. I didn't, I didn't stop to look it up, but you can make no mistakes and still fail. Like you can do everything right and still fail. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that from something? It's from a thing. I don't know where it's from, but I think, I I just think that that quote fits here. I just wanted to acknowledge that it's not, that's not like a a quote that I made up myself, but I felt it it fit Mm -hmm. this very well. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely true. Uh, yeah, uh, like it's 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 not up to you really if if you're a successor or, or not. It's yeah, you, ha- you have to put in the work, but then someone else needs to like even if you're putting in the work, things need to go well. Yeah, and then at the end, <laughs> someone needs to want the work. So right. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're not getting an advance on your crops, then you got to hope that somebody wants to buy to buy them from you. Right? Especially, yeah, because it's like you're starting a farm with no potential clients. No buyers, yeah. You're just doing it on, on the hope that you're going to make produce good enough that people are going to want it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he does have the right idea that they're in a place where no one else is growing it and selling it locally. Yeah. And people will probably want that. But... I guess his only real problem is everyone already has contracts and they already have like business relationships with people that they're buying from. And those are hard to let go of. So, but once he gets the one guy at the end, like if they were able to save enough of the crops at the end, again, we don't actually get to see what the outcome is from that either. But if they're able to save enough to just sell to one person, then they could probably snowball it into something. But yeah, I will say it is, it is hard to break into a new market. And I, like I know that from moving around and like from Philadelphia, like I had a roster of people that I've worked with and contacts and like I'm, I'm able to like find people to work with and for there all the time. But like I moved to Oregon, I moved to Salt Lake city. It's really hard to like, just, it's hard to break in because everybody already knows somebody that has done this work for them before. So it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to get your foot in the door and like get that build up your list of clients again. So I, I know where he's coming from. Like you're coming from behind the eight ball when it comes to trying to, you know, start something from zero, basically. Yeah. Uh, getting from zero to one is a lot harder than getting from one to 10, basically. <laughs> right. Uh, and then going with that, there's always the danger of, uh, I put down, don't get in so deep that your only way out is loss. Like, right. Uh, that's good. Like, cause it seemed like, especially since he wasn't selling anything, wasn't selling anything, everything was going wrong in in one way or another. It seemed like the only way for him to get out was to just be okay with losing everything and and walking away, which he wasn't going to be okay with that. But in this case, though, I feel like he didn't really have any other options though. Cause he like, you got to give it at least one growing season before you you got to give up before you give up on that whole idea. Right. But I mean, the movie took place over enough time that it was probably getting close to the end of the growing season because like everything had grown really big by that point. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, yeah. Uh, it seemed like it was getting to the point where if he didn't start selling soon, he was just going to lose everything. He was at least going to lose the entire crop for that year. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, Along with all that, I wrote that uh, in failure, you see what you already have. And I think that like maybe is part of what was going on with Monica at the end 
like after seeing everything burn down and losing it all, you kind of see like, well, I still have my family. Like I'm taking this, I don't want to take this for granted. Like I'm losing my mother already to, you know, to her stroke. Like, I don't want to lose everything else that we have along with this. Like, this is just, this is just a farm. This is just a building <laughs> we can get by as a, as a family. And I don't know if that's what she chose, but I think that's like a, that's a possibility after that. When you lose something, you, you realize what you had all along that wasn't that physical thing. Right. I mean, uh, a lot of good things happened to their family, you know, that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when everything seems to be going wrong. So maybe, maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe seeing something burned down was, uh, she got the memories of anything that happened in and around that barn. And, uh, yeah. And also of, fire in nature is regenerative. Like yeah, when things burn cleansing. down, things yeah. really, things really regrow in that place, even, even bigger and better. That's true. I did put, uh, it can all go up in flames. Yeah, which, things, things are much more uh, ready to burn than you think most of the time. Yeah, uh, you spend you spend your whole movie uh, growing a crop, and then uh, it all burns down in, in the last ten minutes. Uh, I also put, uh, sometimes love is taking off someone's shirt and washing their hair when they can't. That's uh, nice. That, that That's was good. a very sweet scene. It was. Uh when he just spent all day working and couldn't yeah. move his arms. Yeah. He was really working himself to the bone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes you just got to take care of, of people you love. Uh, yeah. When you realize that for some reason they can't. I'm sure there's something in that uh, the Minari continued to grow and they started, they went to, after the crops burned, they went to harvest the Minari and like, that's something that nobody else is selling around there. And they didn't even have to put in any any work to do that. Like nature still provided it for them. Like, and I think that's like a, that feels like, like, like an Asian kind of idea that nature will provide like, yeah. And and I'm sure there's, there's something bigger there with how much work and sweat and backbreaking labor and, you know, water and everything he had to put into making that farm and building it in the end. He just took what grew naturally next to the stream. Yeah. And not only that, but like, uh, the fact that the, the grandmom was like, we should grow a Minari. And he was like, yeah, I'll think yeah. about it. And she was like, <laughs> sure. what do you think about it? I'm going to grow it over, by, over yeah. by the stream. This um, thing that has, that has grown for generations and has subsisted our people for such a long time. Yeah. Uh, also like there's a lot of, you were talking about how, uh, there's a lot of themes in the movie about like men and, and what men are supposed to be, uh, you know, but Minari is a weed that you would probably just pass by and not even give a second thought to, but it's like, it has tremendous value because it's so useful. Like you can, you can eat it in multiple different, like kinds of flavor profiles. Like you can mm-hmm. use it medi- medicinally and, uh, just like sometimes the most unassuming thing can add so much. Uh, yeah. Like it doesn't have to, it's not out there to impress anyone. It's just there and it has value. Yeah. Just whatever you have naturally. Again, something that, you know, use what your nature, use whatever you're naturally given. Yeah. Um, another quote from the grandmother that I had written down that I didn't really know where it fit was that 
uh, when they saw the snake, she said, things that hide are more dangerous. It's better to see it and know yeah. where it is, basically. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't really know if that's like an overall lesson, but it is uh, a good quote. Yeah. It's it's not trying to like come up from behind and jump out at you. It's just yeah. like, it's ex- it's existing. It's letting you exist. I guess in general, it's more like it's better to see what's coming than to be surprised by, sure. you know, what's around the corner. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, yeah. all right, now we can walk away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's nice to see snakes in nature. I'd rather see them in front of me than wonder if they're in the bushes around me. <laughs> sure. I, I I mean, I don't go out like you do, and especially into the types of areas that you go to mm-hmm. all across the country. I've only seen, like, a garter snake. Yeah, you don't have any snakes to worry about in New Jersey. Yeah, no, and the garter snake I saw in New York. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even in, anywhere in the, like, the Northeast area, there's not really poisonous snakes out there. Good. That's how I like yeah. it. <laughs> that's all I got here. Yeah, that's all I got, too. Your lessons were better this time. I like it. <laughs> well, I I appreciated a lot about this movie, and I, I, I really enjoyed, it. enjoyed its subtlety, but I felt like it, it had a lot to offer. I agree. It's It's like... A Minari, you know? <laughs> it's unassuming. Yeah. Yeah. But it well, has value. Um, yeah. Uh, so if you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at imitatingart1 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at imitatingartpod. Send us uh, any of the lessons we may have overlooked in this movie and uh, let us know if there's any movies you'd like to see us review this year. Yeah, if you want to find me on the internet, it's my username is Big F and Moose on pretty much everywhere where I have a username. Yeah, if you want to find me, uh, I'll tell you my screen name. It's uh, at Don't Worry I'm Finite on Instagram. <clears throat> uh, and uh, you can listen to my other podcast at anchor.fm slash Don't Worry I'm Finite. I'll be coming back with some new episodes later this month. So check me out there. And thanks for sticking around with us. It's been actual. Yeah, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.